let me say um, that we apologize for the the parking lot. It is it has just been too cold. We, uh, brother Steve and Isaiah, put out twelve hundred pounds of de-icer yesterday, and um, it worked good in some areas, but it's just a lot of ice, and um, you know this is unfortunately what we run into when we have a lot of ice before any kind of snow, and we didn't get very much snow. It was ice, 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 and um, sleet. So um, it leaves us in a deplorable condition with our parking lot. And please accept our extreme apologies. Um, we never want anybody to get hurt. And we're always very cautious to take care of our property and to make preparations for people to come on the property and feel safe. And we thought we had done what would have taken care of it, but it did not. The good news is um, it's getting up in the 40s today. Um, that'll feel like springtime. And um, so we apologize for those who may have fallen prey to um, the dangerous ice out there. Praise God. You may be seated. I'm going to turn your attention this morning to the third chapter of the book of Malachi. Now, Malachi 3 is typically looked at as <clears throat> the tithing chapter. Now, it's not the only tithing chapter. There's tithing chapters all throughout the Old and the New Testament. But anytime you say Malachi 3, the first impression is, oh, he's going to talk about tithing today. And you're exactly right. But that is not the focal point of everything that I'm going to talk about. Um, but I think in, in most people's mind, tithing has a place all of its own in Scripture. That it's, it's about money, it's about that 10%. Uh, Got to pay your tithes and we have images in our head of preachers getting up ranting about that 10%. Got to pay that 10%. And that is true. Uh, not the ranting, but the 10%. But um, the ranting is what offend, people with offense call it. I call it preaching. But um, thank you for the seven of you that support me up here this morning. Um, but tithing is a much bigger principle. It was, it was used to illustrate probably the most important principle in all of Scripture. Uh, and it is, it is more than about the 10%. And I will, I will just say this as a precursor to it. And again, tithing, as, as most people know it, is not, it's not the focal point this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not going to talk about it, and I'm not saying it's not required, and I'm not going to say that you know, non-tithers non are, are going to heaven. They're not. But it, it's not because of the $10 out of every $100 that they will not give to God. That's not why they're not going to heaven. It's because they don't have faith in the underlying principle of tithing. And so I want to talk to you this morning about the responsibility of the righteous. Malachi 3 and 6, for I, I am the Lord. I change not. Thank you, Brother Bright. I 
am the Lord, I change not. Now that is a, that is a statement that we've heard for many years throughout the scripture. And many years as preachers and teachers have talked about the scripture. I am the Lord, I change not. The Lord cannot change his nature, his power. He cannot change his character. He is consistent. He is the same. The Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I want you to notice in this context, because there's a semicolon there. The preface, this statement is a preface to what the Lord is going to say next. And what he says next is, therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. I am the same. I change not. Therefore, you are not consumed. What that means is, I haven't given up on you, and I haven't forgotten about my promises, for all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen. He said, therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Verse 7 says, even from the days of your fathers, you're gone away from my ordinances. That Sounds like a, a tragic plight that they have gotten themselves in. You are gone away from mine ordinances. Now, when we read that statement, we think of the obvious, that, that they, are obviously, they are obviously backslid. And from the outside, looking toward Israel, they were. And from God's eyes, they were. But you'll see in a minute, in their eyes, they were not. He said, from the days of your fathers, you're gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? What have we done wrong? We... We have not veered from the ordinances that we have, that you have given us. Can you imagine being backslid and don't even know it? Coming to church and don't even realize that you have gone away from the Lord. And then can you imagine the Lord standing right in front of you and saying, You've gone away from my ordinances and you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't, we don't know what you're talking about. And then he says, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? We, we don't know how that we have robbed you. We don't feel like we have withheld anything from you, Lord. We, we don't think we've taken anything from you, kept anything from you, and we don't think we have held anything back from you. And so the Lord says, you've done this in tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings. Verse 9 said, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just a small pocket or one tribe or one village or one little community. It wasn't one family. He said, even this whole nation, they were moving away from God as a nation, and he said, because of that, you were cursed with a curse. Now, I, um, I would shudder to hear the words 
from the Lord spoken directly to me. You are cursed with a curse. Can you imagine? I mean, I've had some people curse at me before in my life. But when the Lord says you are cursed with a curse. Now, I don't believe and I think that I can prove this to you as we continue through this chapter. I do not believe it had just to do with tithes and offering. But it had to do with the fact that they had gone away from the ordinances of God. But them going away from the ordinances of God was directly tied to tithes and offering. And tithes and offering was directly tied to them moving away from the ordinances of God. And so he said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Everybody say, that's right here. That there be, may be meat in my house. Everybody say, that's right here. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now I know for all of us sanctified people and saved people, I know that we we feel like we understand this verse. But really and truly, it's like the Lord. Now he's not just talking about tithes. And he's not just talking about tithes and offerings. He is talking about his ordinances. And he's talking about a genuine, authentic relationship with him. He's talking about all of that. And he says, let's start with the tithes. Because the tithes is the principle that I initiated with my people to establish that connection and to remove the curse from your life. So he said, bring that, bring all of it, bring all the tithes into the storehouse because I got to make sure there's meat in my house. And he said, now I'm going to challenge you to outgive me, to outlove me, to outbless me. I am going to challenge. It's almost like God is up in their face and He's saying, Bring it on. Show me what you got, and I will prove to you what I have because I own it all. And he said, the blessing that I will pour out upon your life, you're going to have to expand the container because I'm going to pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, I'm, I'm not preaching from a comic book this morning. I'm preaching from the living word. And even right now while I'm speaking the living word, I'm not juggling. I'm not swinging from a trapeze. I'm not walking a tightrope. I don't have a fancy costume on. I'm not entertaining you. I'm here with the word of God. And the Lord is standing here this morning saying, if you will do this, and prove me, push me, push me to bless you. Put me in a place where I have to bless you. Because if I don't, you won't survive. Now, you, you have to get that in your spirit this morning. And there will be some people that will walk away from here that will not receive this. And you'll continue to do the same thing you've always done. I'm tired of doing the same thing. I got the most amens on that. I'm tired of doing the same thing 
over and over again. Matter of fact, I got to be careful right here because I'll preach right here. I will do it right here, right now. I will preach this right. I'm tired of playing it safe. Now, not only, he said, not only will I pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to contain it or receive it, but I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Not a very loving father, and he was good about letting us know that he loved us and all that kind of stuff. He was a hard-working man. He was a prophet of God. But you don't want to get caught on the wrong end of that index finger. Because when you break the rules, there was a rebuke coming. And a lot of times all he had to do was just Put that finger out and call your name. And your knees kind of turn to jelly. But this is not even my father. This is my heavenly father. And he's saying, whatever would devour your body. And whatever would devour your marriage. And your career, your money. The devourer, the consumer, the one that comes to destroy. The thief cometh not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He said, I will rebuke him for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Your harvest will become fully ripe. The fruit that you bear in your life will be precisely what it's supposed to be. Because I will rebuke the devourer for yourself. And all nations shall call you blessed. For you shall be a delightful land, saith the Lord of hosts. Now verse 13. This is... um, This is scary to me. Your words have been stout against me. Your words have been stout against me. I don't know how, I don't know what kind of stupid people have to be to talk against God and to talk against the church and to talk against God's man. Now, I don't know of any of it that's going on, but I know that it goes on. He said, your words have been stout against me. You didn't even whisper them. You didn't hesitate when you said it. You had your head cocked back. You raised your voice when you said it. And you're going to come to me and act like you don't know what you have done? You've said it with your own mouth. You have spoken against me with your own mouth. I'm just telling you what he told them. You have said it with your own mouth. How do you think that you can say, what did we do wrong, God? And how did we rob you? Isn't that how children do when they get caught? I don't, I didn't do nothing mommy you did it you do not want to put God in a place where he's sitting right in front of you looking you dead in the eye saying what is your problem you have gone away from me and you sure don't want to get in a place where you have gone away from God and don't even know that you've gone away from God And I dare say that that's a possibility for some this morning. Yet you say, 
What have we spoken so much against thee? Man, you talk about playing ignorant. You have said it is vain to serve God. This is what they said, greater faith. They said it's vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinances? We paid our tithes and we paid our offerings. And we had not seen the blessings of God yet. Don't get quiet on that one. I'm just telling you what he told them. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? We, we, we did everything right for the longest time. And we had problems just like everybody else. And that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. I've seen a lot of apostolic believers. Uh, I hesitate to call them apostolic or believers. But that's what they identify as. Walking around looking like a bunch of sad sacks. We walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. God just doesn't do it for me. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9. The scripture says, honor the Lord with thy substance. Everybody say substance. And with the fruit of all thine increase. All thine increase. I had somebody tell me one time, said tithes is only for crops and animals. They did, right here in this church. They went here for a long time. They said, I'm not paying my tithes anymore because crop it's for crops and animals. I said, oh, okay. Do you have any animals? Nope. Do you have any crops? Nope. I said, well, I guess you're exempt. You don't have, it's a true story. You don't have crops and you don't have animals. That's what they said. No, he said, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits. The first fruits. Everybody say tithe. The first fruits of all thine increase. Now I'm headed somewhere with this. And he said, if you do this, there's a colon. I love to see colons and semicolons in scripture. That means there's more coming to the, to the thought. I love it when God explains what he's saying. And when he responds, it says, if you do this, I'll do this. So after the colon, he says, I'll do this. He said, so shall thy barns be filled with what? With plenty. And thy presses shall burst out with new wine. How dare any human being think that they are going to give over and above and the Lord is not going to give something that bursts the presses and causes the barns to be filled with plenty. How arrogant of a human being does a person have to be To act like they have the ability and the generosity and the love to give more to God than he would ever give back to them. Now, nobody in here is like that. But this is what he was saying to them. He said, if you'll honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. That is not income. That is in Increase. What's an increase? You don't know what an increase is? There's a dictionary. Look it up. If you have something now that you didn't have 10 minutes ago, that's an increase. All right. Now, there's a story in the, in the first few chapters of the book of Genesis. This, this principle of tithe, and, and again... I'm not, the tithe is a setup, okay? And I don't mean I'm like I'm going to catch you in a snare this morning. But it's a, it's a foundation to the principle I'm preaching about here today. The tithe and the first fruits was long before the law was given. 
long before the law was given. Why do I say that? Because there are a lot of people that say, well, Jesus came to do away with the law. That's a lie. He came to fulfill the law. And we'll get to Jesus here in just a moment. He did not do away with tithe in the New Testament because tithe is a principle that started in the first few chapters of Genesis. And it started with the story of Cain and Abel. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than that of Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Righteousness, I'm talking about the responsibility of the righteous. Righteousness is tied to first fruit offerings. You cannot disconnect the principle of first from righteousness. Are you with me this morning? I'm not preaching. I'm glad I'm not preaching to the board folks. If I did, I'd be having to work a lot harder up here. And the reason that Abel's offering was acceptable unto God and received by God was because he offered his firstborn. Now, I've said, and preachers have said through the years, that it's because God required a blood sacrifice. And that is correct. That is correct. But the firstborn is an identical principle as first fruits. Firstborn and first fruits. Cain was a tiller of the ground, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, keeper of the flock. Abel brought his firstborn, but Cain did not bring his first fruits. The Bible said that Cain brought an offering. Everybody say an offering. He brought an offering to the Lord. He did not bring a first fruits offering. And God respected Abel, but did not respect Cain's. Listen to me. Unless it's first, God will not respect it. If it's not first, nothing else is blessed. It's cursed. Not Now, I'm going to go ahead and do this while I'm right here because this is not my topic, but this is the introduction. If it's after the light bill and after the groceries and after the gas and after the spare tires fixed and, and after that and whatever, no. If it's not first, now for all we know, that offering that Cain brought could have been 10% of his entire crop. But it wasn't the first 10%. There's a reason why the Lord said first fruits. He didn't say second fruits. And he didn't say nine fruits. He said first fruits. And I know some of you are so bored right now because you pay your tithes and you think you know it all. I'm not being ugly. I'm asking you to please listen to me here this morning. It is very serious when God looks at an entire nation and says, you've gone away from me. They said, where? He said, you've robbed me. They said, how? They said, he said, your words against me have been stout. They said, what did we say? It's just like a bunch of immature children that acted like they did not know what God expected and God required, and they played dumb and innocent when God called them on it. Are you with me? Now, tithing is a tenth, but it's the first tenth. Well, how do I know it's the first tenth? Well, it's the first one to leave your hand. Somebody gives you $10,000 and you got $10,000 cash sitting in front. How do I know which part of that $10,000 is the first? It's the first to leave my hand. If it doesn't leave your hand, everything else is cursed. Because what you're saying is, God, 
I love you, but you're not first. I trust you, but I trust myself more. I need to take care of my bills, and I need to make sure that I have enough left over to pay tithe. Now, how many of you have ever, I know nobody in here has ever said it, but I, how many of you have ever heard somebody say, I can't afford to pay my tithes? Raise your hand if you've ever heard somebody say, I can't afford to pay my tithes. Well, the reason they can't afford it is because their money's cursed. And because the curse is on their money, the curse is on their life. And a cursed mindset cannot react to God in faith. It requires faith to give first. Are you with me? It requires faith. It doesn't require faith to give 10% after you've paid everything else. But when you, don't, when you don't get all your bills out, when you don't see what's due that week, when you're not looking at anything else, and as soon as that increase hits your hand, 10% of it leaves your hand, what you're saying is, I hadn't looked to see what I can afford, but God is first in my life. And if I put him first, he'll take care of the rest. Now, let me stop right here. For those of you that are paying your 10%, but not paying your first fruits, did you see the difference? You are missing the release of God's blessing upon your life. And not only that, he didn't just say, tithe and offering, or tithes, but he said tithe and offering. Now, in Leviticus 22 and verse 19, we still haven't got to the principle yet. You shall offer at your own will a male without blemish. Everybody say without blemish. Teach with me here for just a moment. Without blemish of the beefs, of the sheep, of the goats. But whatsoever hath a blemish that shall you not offer, for it shall not. That's where everybody that thinks that God blesses everything you give. I think some of you missed that right there. God don't need your faithless spare change thrown in a pan. He will not accept just any offering. He will not. He will only accept those without blemish. What do you mean without blemish? Well, first of all, you need to give it with a righteous attitude. And you need to give it with a clean spirit. The Lord loveth a cheerful giver. If you're mad when you give, you better hold on to it until you can get glad. Matter of fact, he said in one place, he said, if you have all against your brother, he said, don't give your offering. Leave your offering at the altar and go make it right with your brother and then come back and offer your offering. You understand? Offerings are serious with God. They're serious with him. Now, what we do is we put our giving on autopilot. We've got this auto giving thing now, you know, push pay. We put it on autopilot. Now, if that's your first 10%, you know, not getting paid on Wednesday, but then if the autopilot's taking it out on Friday after you already done stuff with it, don't let convenience cause you to trip over Scripture. Giving with God, now I'll preach all day till I get this across here this morning. Giving to God is a serious thing with him. It makes a statement to the Lord. As a matter of fact, the Bible said where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart is going to follow your treasure. 
Are you listening to me? So if your treasure is second, your heart is second as well. Man, it's quiet in here. <laughs> Got you. Now watch this. Watch how specific the Lord is. Whosoever, verse 21, whosoever offereth a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord to accomplish his vow of free will offering in beef or sheep, it shall be perfect. Everybody say it shall be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no blemish therein, blind or broken or maimed or having a wind or scurvy or scabbed. You shall not offer these unto the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar of the Lord. Verse 24, you shall not offer unto the Lord that which is bruised or crushed or broken or cut. Neither shall you make any offering thereof in your land. Now this is the point. For them it was literal. For us it's spiritual. This is the point that God is trying to make. He's not trying to make. He's making it. Offerings have to be given intentionally. Tithe has to be given intentionally. It has to be paid intentionally. It has to be first. I get nervous when people come to me in the middle of the year. Now, we'll do it. We'll do it. But they say, I, I, can I get my... My contributions record. What that tells me is there's something missing. They don't know if they have been faithful to that. They, they don't know if they have been exact with that. Are you with me this morning? Man, it's quiet in here. Those of you that get a hold of this this morning, God is going to do some things in your life. I'm telling you right now. The challenge from God is prove me. Prove me. I'm the Lord is challenging us. Now, this firstborn, this firstborn thing is, is really, it's really a hot principle with God. It's it is the number, it is the number one principle. The principle of first is the number one principle in all of Scripture. When you go to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, and he told them, he said, I want you to take a lamb of the first year without blemish, and I want you to bring it into your house. Watch the calculating moves here. He said, I want you to bring it in your house four days before the Passover. Four days. I want you to take four days and examine and prepare the lamb. The sacrifice. When's the last time you prayed over a tithe check? When's the last time you laid hands? I don't care if it was on your phone or your laptop or your checkbook or your cash or your credit card. When's the last time you laid hands on it and said, God, I joyfully give this to you with a pure heart and a pure mind because I want you to know this is my first 10% and I happily paid this to your kingdom so that there may be meat in your house. And not only that, God, these offerings that I give unto you, these are the offerings that I feel that I want to give to you. But, Lord, I would like for you to know, I would like to know what you would like for me to give to your kingdom. When's the last time you did that? He told them, he said, I want you to, to slay the lamb, this innocent lamb of one year old. And I want you to take the blood and put it upon the, the doorpost and the lintel of your house. 
And he said, if your house be too little for the land, he said, I want you to call people in. Now, who do you think those people are? Those weren't Israelites. Those were Egyptians. He was giving people an opportunity to be covered by the blood of the firstborn lamb. It wasn't just a lamb of the first year. It was the firstborn of the flock. The firstborn of the flock. Are you listening to me? So that firstborn lamb was the innocent. Now the Bible said, if you have a firstborn of a clean animal, you are to, you are to sacrifice it. If it's a firstborn of a clean animal, if it's an ox, if it's a, a lamb, it has to be sacrificed. And he said, the firstborn of unclean animals, you are to redeem. If it's a lamb, you sacrifice it. If it's a donkey, you redeem it with something that is innocent. The innocent always redeems the unclean. That principle of first fruits ties us to the principle of the cross who was the firstborn. The principle of first you cannot ignore in your life. Everybody say the responsibility of the righteous. Now, that lamb that was slain was to redeem Israel. But the reason that the firstborn sons of Egypt were sacrificed is because there was nothing to redeem them. Either way, there was a firstborn dying that night. The firstborn sons of Egypt died because they were unclean and there was nothing to redeem them. But the firstborn lamb was sacrificed to redeem the children of Israel. Now, it's 12 o'clock for those of you that are wondering. We are in overtime. Hebrews chapter 7. Bless you. Hebrews chapter 7. Help me with this on the screen if you would. Just... Yeah, just keep that rolling. Now, he is talking about Jesus, or he's talking about Melchizedek. But he who was whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham. Melchizedek in the Old Testament received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. Melchizedek blessed Abraham because Melchizedek was greater, and Abraham was less. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here, men that die receive tithes, and there he receiveth them. Now, I want you to notice that. Here, men receive tithes. There, he receiveth them. Your tithes are being received by a man here. That is a part of the priesthood. But you're not really paying tithes to the man in the priesthood. You're paying tithes to the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not say. He did not say in Malachi 3. Will a man rob the priesthood? He said will a man rob God? The tithes that are paid to the priesthood, the tithes don't go to the light bill, this light bill. The tithes don't go to the ice in the parking lot. The tithes go to the priesthood. Why is it that way? I don't know. You have to ask him when we get to the other side of Jordan if we make it. But there's a reason why this is so important. It is tied to righteousness, and the righteous people of God have a responsibility and the responsibility is to allow God to be the preeminent God 
that he is. God cannot be second. Now, I'm not talking about you putting him second. I'm talking about just in the universe. God cannot be second. It's impossible for God to be second. He can't be third or fifth or 19th. God can only be first. And so when you put a God that is actually first in the universe, second in your life, you cannot have a righteous connection with him. Now, that, that is not just a principle that applies to money. But the money is the indicator of where your heart is. Now, can you pay your 10% and still have an unclean heart? Yes, you can. But you can't have a clean heart without paying tithes. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you putting God first in your life? I want to ask you, is he before your marriage? I'm not trying to just go down a litany of things. I'm trying to list these intentionally. Is God before your marriage? Or does your marriage dictate when you pray and don't pray? Is he first? Does he have your best passion? Or does he have your leftover prayer? Is it just leftover? Just repetitive just hallelujah 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 he said if you offer that kind of sacrifice to me it shall not be acceptable i only accept things without blemish come on church i i am not going to accept i'm not saying me i'm saying him he's saying i am not going to accept Afterthought prayers, I'm not going to accept lackadaisical prayers. I'm not going to accept lazy lifestyle. I'm not going to accept, you know, half-baked discipleship. If you're going to offer that stuff to me, don't even offer it because I will not receive it. That's the same thing that happened to Cain. That is the spirit of Cain. God does not deserve my best. I don't have the energy to give him my best. I don't have the time to give him my best. I'm too busy to give him my best. I'm worn out with church. I'm worn out with prayer. I'm worn out with this. When are we going to stop this 24-hour prayer chain? I cannot. The reason we're in this 24-hour prayer chain is because God is trying to recenter this church and try to get us back to the place where we are giving him everything that is first. Would you praise him for just a moment? And I'm I'm not talking about half-baked praise. I'm not talking about second praise. I'm not talking about I'm weary praise. I'm burn out praise. I'm not talking about looking around the room praise. I'm talking about I'm talking about high praise. Let the high praises of God be upon your lips and a sharp two-edged sword in your mouth. I wonder if anybody wants to give him first praise. I'm going to give you a chance to do it again. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, I want you to praise him right now. The Bible said to give him a sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's not just what you kind of feel like giving him. It costs you something. I'm really weary this morning, but I'm going to praise him to the very best of my ability. Everything's not going great in my life, but I'm going to give him the highest praise that I can give him. Come on, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I I know it's a little bit of a struggle because we're still in our flesh. Come on, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now you may be seated. The priesthood has the responsibility 
of leading the congregation into the ordinances of God, into praise. He has the responsibility of giving the instruction of the law, the priesthood. It's his responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's their responsibility. This is not a career choice for us. Every one of us are going to stand before God and the Lord's going to say, why did you let them believe that not giving first was okay? Because I'm going to tell you something. They're all over, they're all over the world. The churches are all over the world. The world has turned the church into coffee shops. I'm not talking about coffee shops in the foyer. I'm talking about coffee shops in the sanctuary. The foyer is not his house, but the sanctuary is his house. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. He said, well, that's the outer court. Let's not argue over that. This is where the prayer goes on. This is where the praise and the worship goes on. Well, it should go on when we drive on the parking lot. So be it. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. I'm tired of doing the same thing over and over. I'm, I'm ready to flip something over. I'm ready to kick something over. I'm ready to, I'm ready to break something up. The priesthood, watch. The priesthood, the priesthood. And I know, I know. People, people think that the new covenant is a lazy covenant. You don't have to change nothing. You don't have to change the way you live. You don't have to give nothing you don't want to give. Bring your latte in here and sip it while we tell you a story in our torn jeans. We don't have to look our best, dress our best. We don't have to, we don't have to look holy. We don't have to look godly. The world has turned what appears to be the church. Into a lazy, this new covenant is a lazy covenant. Because, because of grace, we don't have to do any of that stuff anymore. Let me tell you something about grace. You know why grace exists? You want to know why grace exists? Because God raised the bar in the new covenant. God said in the old covenant, he said, if you commit adultery, you're guilty of the law. But in the, he said, I say unto you, if you look upon a woman of lust, you've committed all, adultery already in your heart. He said, if you kill your brother, you're guilty of the law. But he said, I, I say unto you, if you're angry with your brother without a cause, you have committed murder. You are a murderer. So God said that the, the relationship that I've wanted to have with humanity, I've been waiting 4,000 years to, to you. It's 4,000 years to, to you. To me, it's just been four days. But I have instructed man for 4,000 years trying to get people to this point. And the only way that I can even expect this higher level of commitment for them is to give them the grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. So that the patience of God can allow them to get to the point where they decide with their own heart. Not because they're afraid of breaking the law, but because they don't want the relationship with me broken. I'm trying to get them to a place where they will give me first in everything that they have. That is the responsibility of the righteous is to allow God to be first in everything. I watch people in their body language when they stand up. Literally, that's how some of you look. Hey, I'm in the presence of God. I want to give God my best. I want the Lord to know I'm here on purpose. I'm not just trying to get my church in for the week. I'm excited to be here. He deserves my best praise. He deserves every ounce of energy that I can give him. And he deserves every bit of faith that I can exercise. You got to have faith to put him first. Say, that's ugly what you just did, mocking somebody. No, it's ugly what you're doing. He's a holy God, and he deserves the reverence that we can give him, every bit of reverence that we can give him. Can I just say this just as nice as I can? 
just being nice. So nice. Some people can't get off their cell phone long enough in church to get deeper in the presence of God. Say so you do it. No, I'm communicating with the board back there. If I never had to pick up my cell phone in church again, I'd be good. First, everybody say first. first. Now I'm going to close with this and we're about to open these altars. The man Christ Jesus was God's first. It was not just his first, but it was his only. Now let me ask you something. Would you pay your first if you knew it was your only? Would you give it to God? Because that's what God asked Abraham to do. He said, Abraham, take your son, thine only son, and it went off for him. You can't possibly know God's true provision. You can't possibly know him as Jehovah Jireh. Until you're willing to give him first, even if it's your only. Because when Abraham got Isaac to the top, he was going to kill him. He was going through with it. He was going to take this thing through to the end. And the angel of the Lord. said now I know the first time you hear the Lord say now I know now I know where your heart is Abraham that you don't love that boy more than you love me because I'm first I have to be first and all of a sudden there was a ram caught Some of you have never seen that ram because you're too worried about only. God, you can't ask me for everything. And God's saying, I absolutely can ask you for everything because I bought you with a price. Jesus was God's firstborn. Jesus was God's tithe. I want you to think about this. He gave his firstborn, his only begotten, not knowing whether anybody would ever serve him or not. He gave it all. And that's what, that's what the tithe of your life is. Tithe is not, it's not a dollar amount. Tithe is a principle of your life that says he's first in everything. The reasons that people come up with to lay out a church are astounding. It's astounding. And the priesthood gets caught having to tell sincere people no all the time. Let me ask you a question. Some of you are already booking vacations for this year. I want to know how much you prayed about it. I want to know how much you've talked to God about it. Now, if you have, wonderful. And if the Lord gave you peace about it, that's wonderful. But how much have you talked to God about missing church, leaving town, vacations? Now you're taking it too far. I'm not taking it too far. If you're going to be led of the Spirit of God and your steps are going to be ordered of God, you can't be just flippantly just doing stuff that you want to do in your life. Everything by prayer and supplication. Let everything done by prayer and supplication. Don't get quiet on me now. The Lord needs to get a hold of us because I promise you, there's a reason why I flipped the lights on seven minutes before prayer was over. And the reason was because prayer was over. It was actually over ten minutes before that. Prayer was over. Because we're not going to come in here. Tonight, if it happens, I'll turn it off two minutes after prayer starts. I'll turn it on. We're not going to offer God any more blemished sacrifices. We're not bringing to God 
some loose, powerless, passionless, faithless, repetitive, redundant prayers that accomplish nothing. But if you want to be in the house of the Lord, matter of fact, if you don't want to pray and put God first, I'd rather you just come at 630. I, I, don't, I don't want you coming in here and weighing everybody else down and being on your cell phone. It's wonderful to look around and people trying to get in the Holy Ghost and all we can see is the holy glow of cell phones in the sanctuary. Come on, folks. I need an amen right here or an old me or something. Something has to happen with us here this morning. We got a responsibility to put God first. In Jesus' name, Father. I pray that you would begin to move upon this church. There is no revival in nostalgia. We're not expecting you to do something today because of a season revival we had 10 years ago. I'm asking you, Lord God, to stir something in the hearts of people here today in the middle of the 20-something degree weather and the ice in the parking lot. Lord, we have not forgotten the sacrifice of Calvary. Lord, we thank you for giving your firstborn so that the, the innocent could redeem the unclean. Thank you, Lord God, that we didn't have to be sacrificed, but that you allowed your son it pleased the Father to bruise him. You put him to grief, Lord. He became sin for us. He became sickness for us. That we may be made the righteousness of God by faith. In the name of the Lord God Almighty, I pray, Lord, by faith this morning, somebody, Lord, would surrender their life to you. Somebody would turn their thoughts over to you and that addictions would be broken. That repentance would come out of the heart of people in this place. And that in every area of our life, God, we would pay our tithes to you. Tithe in our prayer. Tithe in our worship. Oh, Lord, tithe in our participation, in our discipleship. In the name of Jesus, God, you're not just first, you're everything. Lord, in Jesus' name, in this place right now, you didn't raise up a dead church. You said upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You didn't raise up a church, Lord, to die. In the name of Jesus, God, you died so that we could live. I pray, Lord, that you would breathe life into this church. Breathe life into every saint of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I wonder, does anybody want to pray this morning? I wonder, does anybody want to run to this altar here today? Is there anybody that wants to passionately pursue God? Not to lazily saunter up to the front of this building but to come up here with a godly passion and a godly desire. In Jesus' name, Lord, you're worthy, God. You're worthy, Lord, God, of praise. You're worthy, Lord, Jesus. Help us, Lord, not to speak in the same mechanical tongue. Help us, oh, Lord, not to speak in the same repetitive tongues. But I pray that you would take us deep in the spirit of God and help us, Lord Jesus, to pray like we need to pray. I pray that you would pray through us right now. In Jesus' name, oh God, we worship you. Come on, would you lift your voice? Would you lift your voice? And would you let something cry out on the inside that says, Father, I need your help today. I need you, Lord God, to help me to prioritize my life and put you at the beginning of everything. 
In Jesus' name, Father, you're worthy, God. Hallelujah. Come on, the Lord wants to move in here today. The Lord wants to move in this sanctuary. The Lord wants to help us to do his will today. If you're a guest in here today, I invite you forward. I invite you to come and talk to the Lord. Hallelujah, to tell him, God, I'm ready. I don't know where to start. I don't know where to begin, but I'm ready. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, greater faith. God deserves our first, and he deserves our best. In Jesus' name. 